without tenants, we don't have a property management industry. And I think there's many examples over the years where tenants are treated poorly or not shown the respect they deserve. Ultimately, they're a customer. Obviously, we get paid by the landlord in terms of our role as property managers, but that by no means suggests that we shouldn't treat tenants with respect and help them on their journey of wealth creation, just like we would a landlord, because many tenants, as we know, do become investors or do buy property. And why wouldn't we want them doing that with our agency rather than someone down the road? You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for Real Estate Industry Sales Professionals, Property Managers and Leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts, visit EliteAgentElevate.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, Visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor, elite agent, and host of today's show. Today, we have a special show coming to you direct from lockdown. Two of my favorite people in the industry, they are leaders, they are superstars, they're incredible women, and I'm lucky enough to be working with them on a couple of projects coming up, which we're going to talk about very soon. So welcome to the show, Hannah Gill, and welcome to the show, Tara Bradbury. It's great to have you joining us today, and we were meant to be in the studio recording this, but obviously Queensland is in a snap lockdown. Tara, how are you doing up there in Harvey Bay? Yes, we're just slightly over the border past Noosa, so things are okay here. We, we still have a bit of a toilet paper saga like the rest of the country for some reason, but um, otherwise it's business as usual as it can be in the world that we live in now. Much the same for us. Masks are a must-have at the moment. We don't have any COVID cases, fortunately, and we're also out of toilet paper. But other than that, things are ticking along all right. The thing about toilet paper is you really need to play the long game these days, don't you? You just need to keep a stock on hand, you know, for, for snap lockdowns like this. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so the world has sort of changed since you were last on the podcast, Hannah, because we had been doing some amazing tours with Street MBA. And as soon as COVID happened, we had to cancel a whole bunch of those tours, which was a, a bit of a bummer. But we're, gonna, we're getting the show back on the road, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think we saw with the tours we were fortunate enough to hold and the engagement we got from not only the participants, but also the offices we visited, that there's a real need in the industry and a real niche space to really deliver meaningful value in those kind of small groups, deep dive into what businesses are doing and what's working well. So I think it's safe to say we're really keen to get the show back on the road and intending to do that early in the new year. It's so hard to sort of plan anything where you flying around and stuff like that at the moment because as we've seen things can change on a you know on a 10 cent piece mm. Mm. absolutely and so tara you were in transform this year you had one of the most popular sessions in in transform 2021 earlier on in the year have there been any standout moments for you this year so far I think what we have seen is the start of the year kicked off quite a bit slower with investor interest and probably in the last three months that's really changed and picked up. I've been very fortunate with my 
background and what I have done with my work with the BDM Academy that I have been presented a few opportunities of buyers agents that are really starting to get excited about Harvey Bay and, and they've approached us and we've worked on different plans together to educate investors on opportunities here. So that's probably an area that has completely changed our um, growth model and, and the type of people that we're talking to at the moment, which has been really beneficial for the business. You did a really interesting session and you took us back to 2011, I think, versus yeah. one. Um, yeah. And now that you're a business owner again, like what are the big changes that you've experienced over the last 10 years? I think what if I summed it up, it, it's and Uber obviously came out before I, I started Active Agents, but I felt like when Uber landed in our country, the expectation of customer service levels just went through the roof and, and everyone's demands just keeps getting that little bit higher and higher. And I, I feel that if you can service that well enough to a point that you're doing it at a level that you're still maintaining a, I guess what you'd call a work-life balance, but giving that extra level, that's what I feel is a difference not that we weren't doing that in 2011, but we're doing that 10 times more now to be able to demonstrate our difference with our competitors and then also ensure that that experience they're having, they're sharing with people they know and they're sharing it in the digital platforms that they're connected with. And Hannah, there's been some big changes for you personally this year as well with starting your own business, The Property Collective. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about The Property Collective, what it does and, and what you aim to achieve with that? Yeah, I mean, it's time's flown by. It's been six months this month that, since we've launched. And I guess, you know, I've been in the industry 13 years now and my business partner, Will Honey, and I, we just were really keen to try to shake things up a bit and, and start to, I guess, take higher risks and, and try new things and have that appetite for innovation, which sometimes in traditional kind of real estate businesses, it can be hard to, to challenge that space a bit. And so we really want to take a more holistic approach to how we service our clients, both from a rental and a sales view and create a true end-to-end -end experience where we do everything from, you know, mowing the lawns to popping the champagne to putting the sold stickers on and really deep diving in the experience for our customers so that they don't actually need to look anywhere else for a real estate transaction and the, the ecosystem that surrounds it. So we're six months in and still learning heaps, but it's been one hell of a ride so far. And what are some of the parts of the ecosystem that you're really honing in on right now? Look, I think there's a lot of opportunity, particularly around property management. I think I know Tara would agree with that around some of the ancillary services. We know there's pressure or downward pressure on fees, the cost of doing business increases and staffing increases. So how can we mitigate risk around the property management industry while also delivering a better experience for our clients who deserve and expect more from us? And so we think there's huge opportunity to do more in the maintenance space, and that can be done in any number of ways but also really connecting the dots around some of the ancillary services that touch a property management or a real estate transaction. So it might be plugging in things like removalists, mortgage brokers, um, solicitors, and so on, and just creating a really streamlined experience for everyone who's involved. And I saw you nodding there, Tara. So you're obviously thinking along the same lines with active agents as well. Yeah, it's probably strategizing down to how you present that is, and I'm thinking you're at the same level, Hannah, it's how, how you actually physically present it because we do talk in that same way. And I guess we're also being cautious that I always look at it too, being regional, that you've got to be careful you can't just align with one person and then be presenting just that because you might find you're getting multiple referrals from three different people in that industry field. But it's definitely always a conversation point as to, you know, are there challenges or problems you're facing in this transaction that we're working on together? And here are the solutions that I have 
um, at the moment that can assist you with that. So I'm hearing more of a movement these days towards, you know, it was very much property management, look after the owner and that made life pretty happy. But I'm feeling and sensing a big shift towards keeping tenants happy and them almost being the start of a flywheel. Like I had Andrew Duncan on the podcast a a few weeks back and I know, Hannah, you know him quite well, but he sort of made the big statement that keep tenants happy and everything else will fall into line. Do you agree with that? And, And are you feeling that as well a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with that statement. I think tenants, without tenants, we don't have a property management industry. And I think there's many examples over the years where tenants are treated poorly or not shown the respect they deserve. Ultimately, they're a customer. Obviously, we get paid by the landlord in terms of our role as property managers, but that by no means suggests that we shouldn't treat tenants with respect and help them on their journey of wealth creation, just like we would a landlord, because many tenants, as we know, do become investors or do buy property and why wouldn't we want them doing that with our agency rather than someone down the road? Yeah, absolutely. And Tari, your thoughts? They would have to be our biggest raving fans at the moment in the digital space. And I find that if there's a a post in the community groups looking for a property manager or even wanting to find a rental property or getting assistance with that, it's an an area that I always saw that I felt was being missed, particularly in our core suburb. And it has been a a big focus for us. And I found that it's paid off massively spending and investing that time because they will go in and tag our business or, or tag us as individuals to say, to reach out to us and have a chat. And that then just continues to, to add the value to our business page, which then keeps coming back to us through our website. And I guess another trend that I'd like to ask you both about that we're seeing and feeling out there too is this trend towards rent roll growth becoming even more important because of the slightly lowered volumes. I'm not going to say that volumes are really low because, you know, the numbers would suggest otherwise. But there's a lot of pressure on BDMs right now to keep Mm. managements coming in because of parts of the rent roll being sold. How are you guys seeing that play out on the ground? I'll start with Tara. Yeah, look, as someone who wears a few hats, still being a a business, we're at 126 properties now. So I do wear a few hats on top of being the BDM. It's for me in this market, it's really stressful because we are finding a lot of owners are, are moving back into properties. A lot of properties are selling. A lot of properties are selling to owners that already have a relationship with another agency. So we're not really getting the opportunity to present to them. And we're bringing in good numbers, you know, 10 to 15 a month, but we might be lucky to have a net growth of three or four. So I think that if there are businesses feeling that pain and they're actually going on the opposite end and it's negative two, negative five, you've got to have that open conversation with your BDM to say, well, we really need to focus on what numbers you're doing here and how we can mitigate the losses back here and make sure the BDM's aware of that so they know where they need to be pushing themselves to. Yeah, and you're nodding, so you're obviously feeling a similar thing. Yeah, we're seeing very similar trends, a a real decrease in investors in our market as well. You know, and and as businesses and rent rolls grow, we know that that churn is going to be higher every month because of that attrition with with sales Mm. and owners moving back in. And so I really feel for teams with four or five BDs and they need to, you know, 50 or 60 even. Like that's a hard slog for, you know, maybe growth of one each month. But I think, you know, in a market that is tight like that, it's about being creative and, and having the appetite to try new ways to win listings that, that's respectful and is innovative. I think that's exciting as well as it is challenging. With challenges come great opportunities, don't they? Mm. 
That's right. <laughs> <laughs> My goal for getting you guys on today, because we haven't had we haven't had any sort of BDM content for a while, and every so often we have some people sort of writing in and saying, "Hey, when are you going to get some more BDM people <laughs> on the podcast?" And so, like here I am, like all in the one go, two superstars. But you guys were BDMs in the beginning, like obviously your leaders and business owners now. But going back to the very beginning, Tara, what were some of the major challenges you faced and how did you think about, you know, like overcoming them to grow the to, to start growing from what would have been scratch? Yeah. So when I first went between so I guess we're talking about from like a property manager to a BDM. Yeah. Yeah. I was interviewed, went into the business as a property manager, but actually intended on going into sales. And then my principal was super keen to grow the rent roll. So she encouraged me to go down the BDM path. And at that time I was managing a portfolio of around 50 properties. And so I slowly grew that up so that we could have another um, staff member come in to be the property manager and then let go of that portfolio and went into the new business side. And I, I probably found that I worked the actual rent roll first and find, found out who was in there that had multiple properties that we weren't managing. So that was one of the core areas. At the time when I stepped into that business, they had a sales team of about five people. So I was able to pull leads from there. And then I just started working in um, with the sales only businesses that were in our area. And some of these organizations growing up in Maribor, a population of 27,000, we had businesses that had been in the area for 50, 80 years, you know? And so then they always just did sales and they'd have these ugly signs up that would say, we don't do rentals, don't come into our office. And we'd go, that's okay, just send them to us, here's our details and we'll talk to them. So take that sign down and just give them this. Um, we'll give them the rental list. And back then you used to walk around and, and you know, you gave the rental list each week so they could hand them out so they didn't have to deal with these horrific tenants that could, you know, who knows, buy a property one day. So that was kind of my key areas then that I found just allowed me to grow contacts within their businesses. And then I educated their investors, offered to do appraisals for anyone that was um, looking to purchase an, as an investment and had the opportunity that way. And then looking at it now, that those opportunities are still there. I would have to say that there are so many little mini independents I'm finding that you don't necessarily see a website, but they'll have a Facebook page and they're doing really great transactions with investors. So the, the philosophy of what I did over 10 years ago can still work, but I'm actually not physically walking into an office giving a, a rental list. I'm still doing that conversation with those agents, but just on a digital level. There's a lot of the solo agent sort of models mm. around where they can develop their own brand. Uh, uh, is is that a good source of leads for property management? Do, do they handle them themselves or are you finding that they need help? Well, they appreciate the help and the um, information of the investment side so that they know they can present it to a, a property investor. I find I try to encourage them to tell me about it before it even is seen in an investor. And it's of no concern to me if I provide the appraisal and never hear any more again and, it, and then it's sold to an owner occupier. But in some cases they will wait till last minute. And then I, I've always made sure that it's either same day that they basically get the appraisal back. I think if, you, if you're gonna set that benchmark of a relationship and you, and you want it to be a consistent one that's rewarding, you have to put a deadline as to when they're going to receive that. You can't leave it two or three days, certainly not in this market. And Hannah, what about you? Like going back ages ago, I think you just said that you were in the industry <laughs> for like 15 years or something. Is it 15? 13. 
13. It's you don't look a day over fabulous. So you know you started very, very, very young. Um, tell me about your start in the BDM area and what was the main area that that you kind of started with to get to get on the growth path. Yeah, probably a similar start to Tara. I joined um, the business I was in at the time as a property manager um, and very quickly saw and sort of started to recognise that the BD in our office, that job looked really fun and really interesting to me. And I didn't really know what property management was when I applied. I just needed a job and I thought the logo was cool. So I didn't have kind of <laughs> insight into what I was doing, but very quickly that BD kind of space appealed to me. And then when that BD left the business about a year in, I was given that opportunity. And that's probably when my, it kind of diverges from Tara's journey in that I was in a large agency that had a very big mm-hmm. So I was able to really build on those relationships, work closely with that sales team, build trust. So I'd spend time going to their offices each week and doing training sessions and and again, offering appraisals and so on, but it was within our brand. And I also saw a real opportunity at the time in our marketing camera, there was a lot of large development happening. So we had masses of units settling at once, which gave an opportunity to tap into those sales markets, but also the developers that sat behind those projects and We were lucky enough to pick up some of the very early build to rent projects in Canberra as a result of that. So while I completely value the one-on-one, you know, mum and dad transaction, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the growth that I got in our business over a four-year period, we listed about 2,000 properties. That was through going up the chain and targeting developers and targeting higher um, volume quicker. So that's great because you get growth, but it comes with its own pain points because you get growth. But it was a really good learning curve. So it's interesting now that you're both agency leaders, you're both principals. If you were to hire a BDM now, what is it that you really want from them? In our business, we talk a lot about culture. So we have a culture playbook that underpins what we do and how we do it. And part of the culture playbook talks about the fact that we're a team and every every member of the team has a role to play, just like a sporting team. So I think in a BD role, very much like a sales role, I think the strengths of a good BD are very much around communication. I think discipline, because, you know, BDs, you know, the hustle and repeat calls and really being disciplined to your ideal week and getting through what you need to get through. And I think also accountability. I think if you've got those three traits, then the rest you can be trained or you can build on. But I think those three things to make a good BD. And what about you, Tara? As a, as a principal, if you were going to go on, I, I would be mm-hmm. terrified as a BD working for you. Such a hard act to follow. But what, what, what qualities would you be looking for? It's really, it's a good question. I think to add to, Hannah's given some great examples there. And the other one I would add to that is respect. Because you've got to have respect for the entire team that's working around you. You can't be obedient. It's just going to dump a file and run away and think that that's, that's it for you. And what I, I guess I look at now is where's the next touch point for that BDM with that client, even though they're within the business. And some of the cues that I have spoke with other BDMs about is if you're not feeling comfortable and just having that touch point at 12 months and being unsure what to talk about, why not see when their lease renewal is and start talking about the market when it's three months out and educating them with a phone call or even meeting up with them for coffee and then having that consistent relationship with them there where you're talking about something where you know it's irrelevant to the impact of that investment and, and future investments that they have. So that probably kind of, I guess, comes back into the communication that we've touched on. But you, you can't 
I, I think that's where the weaknesses I see for businesses is if the BDM just signs and that's it and there's no further communication there, they're losing such a big opportunity, not just with that individual and their purchases, but other ones that they're connected with as well. Yeah. But my girls are learning BDM now and I do it on a level with both Kate and Katie and my team where I see a strength in them that I can see they really enjoy about the growth and I let them run with it and they're really enjoying that. And I think that sometimes if you can as a leader and, and it's a skill set I still love to do, but I can't do it all the time. At some stage I have to take a holiday. They're learning that and they could run with that without, without me being here. And they have recently when I took a four day break, they were able to completely do that process, send off appraisals, do the proposals and be comfortable with those conversations. And I think that's important that everyone should know that role in the business. It's great for BDM to be exceptional, but everyone should know what they're doing. In real estate in general, consumer expectations have, have risen over the last couple of years. Do you think now that investors as well, they're more savvy and they expect more from the person that's actually wanting to sign them up to manage their properties? Oh, definitely in the communication side. And I think of the BDM, it's their responsibility to make sure that they're clear on what that experience is going to look like from the team. If I'm sitting in front of the client, whether it's in a, a call where we're online right now or if it's face-to-face, -face, I'm actually really clear and transparent about what expectations I have as the leader, but also how they're going to respond when it's after hours on the weekend because all of us have kids. And I'm really honest about that. And I always explain that we'll go the extra mile, but do understand if you're not getting a response because it's not urgent and it will be handled with it next business day. And I, I think that it's great to be exceptional in what we do and go that extra mile, but sometimes we do need to be really clear on what that is going to look like or else people will push you into a space where then your staff are just getting burnt out. And Hannah, your thoughts? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think the expectations from our clients are increasing, but I also think the resources and the technology we have available to us now to, I guess, mitigate or, or deliver on some of those expectations are also far more available than they ever used to be. So back when I started in BD, I literally had an Excel spreadsheet and that was a database and how I did everything, you know, and now so much of what we do can be very quickly automated. We can, we can set up automated trails. And I think we need to leverage some of that technology to be as efficient as possible. And we can do more because of a result of that. And, and we can deliver and meet those client expectations because of that. Mm -hmm. While we still remain personal, obviously, we don't want to look like robots. Exactly. I think it can go too far, can't it? Where, you know, like we try and automate the conversations <laughs> we really should be having. Agreed. There is no better way still than to build relationships through human kind. <sighs> And that's been a huge winning tool for us in our social media presence. And I know I touched on this in the recent Transform program is that we won't just allow automation or I won't allow just automation in the business for new tenants that are leasing with us. We'll call them or hear their story. And we will then consistently have people that we haven't even actually rented to, but they might've rented through someone else that will say, I didn't get to rent with active agents, but they were amazing. And they're not even talking about the agency that they're renting with. So I've seen that as a really good area, which yes, it's time consuming but I'm not just using the software to run that space because I can see it's allowing us to project our brand in the marketplace. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. So I guess now would be a good time to sort of talk about the executive BDM because <laughs> um, the three of us have been having some conversations and, and obviously like people are asking me all the time for more BDM content. So we've decided to give it to them. We've talked about the expectations of principles 
and consumers, but I think there's also an expectation from BDMs that they'd like to see um, their role elevated within the industry and be more recognised for the important role that they play. In your conversations out there, because Hannah, you're also the president of REACT now as well. What what are you hearing out there from from other BDMs and what they would what what are their frustrations at the moment and what would they more like to see the role look like? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I've guessed locally, but also abroad through some of the coaching we're doing at the moment. Certainly, I think there's a lot of noise and it's very, I think, hard, particularly for newer BDs to identify what they should be focusing on, mm-hmm. where there's, I guess, higher award or quick wins that they can have. And instead, they're trying to do a lot of everything at once, but then doing nothing well. And so I think it's about cutting through that noise, being very clear on what their key priorities are based on what the business goals are. Um, and then just being really true to sticking to those and being accountable to those for whatever period of time you need to, because if you're just constantly jumping around, you're never going to get um, any traction. And I think I've seen a, quite a lot of that in the industry in recent months. So are we going to hold these guys accountable that join the executive BDM? Absolutely. <laughs> See, I'm the way it works. Trust me. I've done it from scratch. <laughs> and this is the thing, my, my team, we have accountability meetings once a week. So we have our Monday meeting around lunchtime, but I'm also accountable to my husband as well when it comes to the growth model. And he's my harshest critic for sure. Don't you worry about that. So he's backgrounds in financial planning. So if we're not seeing any growth, there's an issue there. And, and if you don't have that person, and that's obviously something we can assist with in, in the program moving forward, it, it is easy just to fall into the trap of not, following through with the expectations that you know that need to be achieved because especially like many that will be working from home at the moment, it's easy to get distracted. I'll just do the washing or, or whatever. And then next minute you spend a whole day doing stuff that's not actually been productive and not ensure that you're earning that extra dollar to make sure that your, your growth is still there and producing the income that you deserve. Because this is a conversation you and I have had. A lot of BDMs just don't know where to start. There's no. Just, there's all this stuff out there. And, and I think to a point where, you know, even on Elite Agent, we're kind of drowning in content, but it's actually real help that people need with, okay, what do I do? What is my next right thing to do? If you were talking to a, like a brand new BDM or if you were a BDM now yourself, what would you be, where would you be starting Whenever I'm working with them, I find that they're coming in and they're just wanting to go straight into prospecting. I have to pull them back and go, that's great and I love the initiatives there, but tell me what you're going to talk to them about. Tell me about the vision behind the brand. What's exciting about what you're about to present to them? What are some of the key things? Tell me the top five key things that happen in the business. What do you know about the brand? A lot of the time, the BDMs have just started there and they've read the website and they've got a little bit of information, but they don't actually know about the staff or, or things that can actually be really valuable. So that would be my suggestion is that if you're someone that is new to the industry, take that first seven days to be completely separate, even to doing any phone calls, get as much knowledge as you can and even have it in front of you if you need little cues to, to work from so that when you're making those calls, then you'll know, you know that you're touching on the right points that are relevant to where the conversation could go. And what yeah. about you, Hannah? If you were new today, where would you begin? I would begin with an ideal week. I would um, seek out advice from whether it's a sales agent, a business or my principal and I'd structure an ideal week to keep me accountable because otherwise it kind of does get overwhelming and you want to jump around and do, you know, whatever's shiny in front of you and take that opportunity as it comes up and end up not being super productive. So I'd start with structuring my time 
really in a rigid way. And then I would deep dive into the offering and the service, because if we can't be confident in what we're selling, why would anyone buy from us? So I'd look at the collateral that the agency has in place. I'd look at if there might be gaps in that, in that offer. I'd be really confident on our elevator pitch and I'd be building out resources to be able to overcome objections depending on the client's concerns or, or I guess, experiences. So you can pull out different resources and, and really become familiar with those. I think one of the common problems with BDMs right now or people that are, you know, attempting to grow the rent roll is pressure on fees. Like, you know, and pressure on fees is not new. It's been around for a number of years. At, at the moment, how would you speak to an investor that, that had just, let's just, you know, it's just on the phone, ring, ring, hey, Hannah, what are your fees? How would you respond to that query? Because that happens all the time. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting one because sometimes not all business is good business. And in our business right now, people who are purely fee-driven, they're probably not the clients we're looking for because we're not trying to be the cheapest agency in town. We're actually trying to do something really different and really special for clients. And that's not going to suit everyone. So I think from my perspective as a BD, I always want to get in front of the client, even if that's a Zoom call, wherever possible, so I can be talking to a person. Uh, And then understanding their fears or their motivations means that you can you can overcome them so lots of qualifying questions really understanding what's driving them and then and then calling on those resources to be able to overcome that if it comes down to fees breaking it down into real bite-sized chunks or without ever being disrespectful of a competitor if they're saying the agent down the road is six percent and you're eight percent well i'm familiar with the other agents in canberra and it's important to understand the ancillary fees they might charge so never being disrespectful, but certainly educating them on what, what they should expect because cheap is not always good and certainly doesn't necessarily convey quality service. Yeah, ain't that the truth. What, what about you, Tara? What, what do you say to the, the person that just, you know, logs in and says, how much are you? How much are they? It sounds like the castle, doesn't it? How much are they? Yeah. How much are they asking? How long are they dreaming? <laughs> Depending on the approach and the tone, in a, in a higher majority of the situations, because over the phone you can't see the person, so you're literally going off the, the actual tone, the way they approach you there. I actually say to them, I would love to find out where your property is. I'm in front of my laptop right now and I can do a quick review. And the reason for that is, is because we are working with the set area within Harvey Bay and there are particular suburbs that are out past Craignish that we don't manage property in and then also Burrell. So we're kind of within this one fixed area. I'm happy just to give you the fees if that's what you want, but I'd hate to waste your time and you go in and do all this research and then find out that your property is say in Tugum and I'm going to say, I'm really sorry, but here's who I recommend out there. So that's usually the tone that I go with. I have had one and I'll share this one quickly where he's called up and said all these amazing things. He read this post on Facebook and saw all these great people tagged me in it. And he's like, I had to call to find out more and what's your best offer. And I literally, without even thinking, just said, well, I'm really sorry, X, Y, Z person. You called me. So (laughs) how about we actually a proper conversation then just talk about fees and I'll explain what we do and why those people have actually tagged us in the post. It completely changes persona. Now, that's not going to work with everyone having that cheeky approach, but I share that example because sometimes you will see that cue and run with it and it just shows that you're human. And you know what, if they don't like it, as Hannah said, they're maybe not the right personal or type of business that you want to be attracting. Yeah, interesting. 
What are some of the other objections that you're getting right now while we're while we're having a bit of fun handling objections? What's the biggest one that you get? There's definitely objection around advertising and marketing packages at the moment. I'd probably suggest that anyone that's in a similar market where properties are renting really fast and so in the owner's mind, why would I pay for, for any advertising and marketing? And I still have the Um, confidence and ability to explain to them that they have to and I highly recommend paying for a virtual tour because it's not the work that they just do now it's a long-term investment for them so paying we charge $45 as an example for our virtual tour you do this now say we're in a lockdown in 12 months time I've got that there as evidence to present to everyone that's looking and we can still do a conversion with that property and have a new tenant move in rather than you sit vacant and try and fumble through whatever legal requirements we're objectives with coming up against with the, the you know the, the government so I would definitely suggest that that's been an objection we've faced but I try and strategize it out into three different stages and say these are the two that are non-negotiable and a part of our business and these are the expenses and then it scales up from there. And what about you Hannah what's what's your favorite objection right now? Interestingly it's probably at the time where you've probably got the business and it's around the price for the property And that's a reflection of the fact that we've got next to no vacancy, massive housing crisis here. And so I had a client in the last couple of weeks, he just bought the property, uh, lives interstate and the rental appraisal I'd given was 420. And he said, I read an article where you were quoted saying that rents are really strong right now. So I want to go for 500. So that kind of, I guess, misguided, I information or making decisions that aren't really qualified from an owner's perspective. I'm seeing a lot of owners wanting to overprice property. So to overcome that objection, try if you'd like to try, but every week the property's vacant, it's costing you money. And if they are intent on trying for a week, I'll say, well, I'll give you that courtesy for a week, but on Monday, I'm going to call you when we won't have had anyone through and let's make an adjustment then. And they're quite comfortable to do that. It's sort of a bit of a bit of win-win there, isn't it? It's sort of like you're giving them the, the test and then I mean, well, I'd love to achieve top dollar. And that's what I say to them. If we can achieve that price, I'll be thrilled for you. But let's not sit on that for longer than a week. The executive BDM is going to focus on some of the things that we've <coughs> talked about today, which is attracting leads, converting them. And also, I think the third and, and most important thing is creating an impact because, and we've sort of, we've tagged this program Chief Growth Officer because really in a real estate business, your BDM is, I think, your Chief Growth, growth Officer. I'm going to ask you both, what part of the program are you guys most looking forward to? I'm looking forward to watching Hannah's sessions. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was going to say I'm looking forward to meeting the participants. I mean, I think there's some <laughs> bloody good operators market yeah. across Australia and, you know, we're, we're targeting BDs who just want to be better. I, I'm sure I speak for Tara. We've both been in the industry a long time, but we still want to be better. And so Mm -hmm. as much as we're here to teach and to share, I'm really excited to see what we learn out of it as well, because I think there's going to be some real gems come out of it. Yeah. A rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And what about you, Tara? What what is your like sort of passion in amongst those things that I've just mentioned? I think it's, and while it was in transform, there's definitely a lot of changes even in the last three months around doing some of the traditional things just differently. And sometimes I think that people, as Hannah was saying before, it's easy to jump into all these different spaces because they want to get the quick win. And I've still found that it's sometimes the, the longer term game, what well, has been for us a longer term game, ones that have worked really well and just sticking it out. 
And so I'm really excited to be able, I guess, to to share that and hear that from others as well that are going to be in the, the training sessions too, because I could be trying at something for ages and, and how to jump in on somebody else in, in the group there actually says, well, I've done the same thing and it's finally paid off. And uh, I, I feel that sometimes because it is a quite a, a high pressured space and you're wanting to win as much business as you can, you, you can let that go. So I'm looking forward to the strategic side around the different growth um, funnels that are coming in now. There are some definitely very different opportunities there and probably the comparison between regional and city-based. I always am fascinated in what's happening um, within city-based businesses and larger businesses because I still have always felt and made opportunities out of it in regional. So I've never, ever thought that it just because it's city, it's never going to work here. Sometimes it's actually hugely beneficial and it puts us, you know, a few days ahead of or weeks ahead of other agents in the area because we've been able to, to work with that idea first. Well, I have to say I'm ridiculously excited mm. to be working with both of you on this and, and also connect now. And I guess the, the link, if anyone's listening, is interested for the exec BDM is eliteagent.com forward slash exec BDM. And through Connect Now, we're actually offering scholarships. So if money's a problem, we've even taken that bit away. So you can actually apply to Connect Now to for, for a scholarship to be trained by these two incredible women. Uh, who are ready and ready and raring to go? July the seventh, right, girls? Ready. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, Tara, Hannah, it's been fantastic having you on the podcast again, both of you. And, and as I said, I'm super excited to looking um, to, to working with you. And thank you for sharing your knowledge today, by the way, because I'm sure that there was there was a lot of golden nuggets that you guys just dropped with scripts and all sorts of things. But if there was one thing that you'd like to leave the gang with today, what would it be? I'll start with Tara. I know that it's only parts of the country that are in lockdown at the moment, but really try to find the positives that you can in the space that you're in right now. Don't let this, if there was something that I guess in the one, the previous one that we all had the same situation of that you thought, I really wish I didn't do that. And I wish I had done this. Well, if that's the case, do it right now. Just get out of your chair and, and have a go, pick up the phone and talk to someone because we're in a, that we're in a time where picking up the phone, actually having a conversation with someone has never been any easier and people love to receive that experience. Yeah, I'm finding that too, actually. As soon as we go into lockdown, everyone wants to talk to you again. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah, one thing, what about you? Oh, I mean, that's bloody good advice from Tara. I don't know if I can top that. <laughs> no, I think, I think that is a really great point. I think I think particularly, you know, if you are in lockdown or things are a little quieter at the moment, take the opportunity to start reading or upskilling. You know, there's so much available at our fingertips. There's so much content on Elite Agent now that you can start to upskill yourself and start to look at some of the workflows you have in your business. You know, my mm. week's just completely cleared out. So I'm reviewing my flows and my touch points <clears throat> clients and continually refining we shouldn't do that once a year we should be doing that in a consistent basis so take take the downtime or the quiet time to make the business better and refine and and you know better understand what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve whether it's as an individual or as a team that's great advice hannah tara thank you so much we hope you enjoyed this episode of elevate with thanks to connectnow.com.au don't forget to download your written action guide from this podcast containing extra tips, links and shortcuts. Visit EliteAgentElevate.com.